0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan is going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes.
1: What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Got a great episode here for you today. Got my friend Bryce Simon joining the show. Bryce was a basketball player at American University. He runs Motor City Hoops, is also the host of, or one of the hosts of the Pistons Pulse podcast through the Detroit Free Press. Uh, Guy's super knowledgeable on everything basketball. Eastern Conference does great stuff in draft scouting reports, all kinds of things like that. So, Got a really great person here to help me do our first kind of Eastern Conference preview of the season. We're still a month and change away from actual basketball, but I think these rosters are finalized enough for us to be able to talk about them from a knowledgeable place and really just to be able to just walk through who should kind of fall where in the pecking order of the Eastern Conference. So that's what we're going to do here today. As always, we are brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe Fifty B BLEAV50 to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. With that, let's get to my conversation with Bryce. Okay, I'm extremely pleased to be joined by Bryce Simon. Bryce, thanks for coming on and, and talking a little Eastern Conference preview with me here.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks, Matt. I've, we've been talking about this for a little while, been putting the notes together, texting back and forth about it, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I don't always get to talk about the Eastern Conference as a whole, you know, like usually it's just the Pistons or some NBA draft stuff. So I'm excited, excited to talk about the entire NBA or in this case, the Eastern Conference.
1: I'm equally excited because normally when I have somebody come on the show, I put together like a really detailed uh, detailed overview or outline. And as soon as we talked about this, you had already like uh, propagated the whole thing here. So um, I appreciate you doing that. We're going to use that to kind of run through these today. Uh, Bryce had a really good idea of kind of breaking them up into different tiers of teams. We don't have to say, you know, this is the one seed, this is the two seed, but, you know, who are kind of the real contenders These are definite playoff teams, but maybe not true contenders. You know, those are more the pretenders. And then these are the teams that will kind of hover around the play-in range. Uh, Next tier below that is, you know, probably can't make a play-in or or not at least make noise in the play-in. I guess somebody has to get these play-in spots, but we can get to that. Uh, But these are lottery teams that maybe aren't quite bad enough to get the number one overall pick or something like that. And then obviously we have like the real all in fully in tank mode teams or team. uh, And and we can kind of talk through who ends up in that order today. Just, I guess, just before we get into the actual teams here, Bryce, any initial thoughts on just the Eastern conference overall that you kind of had while putting this together?
0: Yeah. Like as we went through those tiers and and it kind of works out okay, but it's like, man, the Eastern conference is still really good Mm -hmm. because we're going to talk about some teams and I don't want to spoil it, but even the New York Knicks and where I have them, and you look at their roster, and I'm like, man, I can't believe I have them in the tier I do. And some of it's maybe just like I don't believe in the Knicks, you know, just in general. But even your Washington, yeah. <laughs> even your even your Washington Wizards, Matt, like I like that team going into last season. I, you know, started off well and then you know, kind of trailed, but there's a decent roster there. And I'm not even sure they're in the play-in. So like that's what's crazy about this conference.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I, I think you made another great point when we were texting about this. It just seems like every one of these contenders could use another backup center, yeah. Uh, which, which is like the most glaring hole on, on kind of all of these teams. So I, I think that'll be a recurring theme here as we break down these rosters a little bit too. Kept
0: putting making my notes and every single one of those, I have four in the top tier as we get ready to get into it. And every single one of them was they need a backup five. They need a backup five, and I'm like, am I just like, you know, overly focused on the big man in an NBA that's not focused on big men, or or what? But as like, and, and some have already made a move since we initially had this discussion. So I'm sure we'll get into that as well.
1: Yeah, you traditionally see these teams have a th- at least a third solid big on the roster, and and maybe that shakes itself out with some buy-in candidates or some of these veteran guys that have yet to sign. But that'll be interesting to see and. I think I mentioned in kind of the soft intro here too, like these rosters are pretty fleshed out at this point. Like I think any changes that happen here, you know, barring some crazy trade or, or Durant changes his mind or something like that. I think this is pretty much what we got. So I feel confident this is like a good time to talk about these teams. And, you know, if uh, anybody listens to this two or three days from now and somehow uh you know, Drew Holiday has been traded to the, the Utah Jazz, or something totally unexpected. You can't hold that against us. So. I was gonna
0: say the the one dominoes, Matt, would just be the rest of the Jazz selling, yep. right? That's the the domino that's left that that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, another team we'll talk about in this podcast is the Pacers, who mm-hmm. you know Turner and Heald. I know there's always the Lakers trade, but in general, depending on where their motives lie they could be selling on those two guys as well, but that may be a deadline type move. Agreed. So there are some things that could still happen, but you, you know, can't wait on all of it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. The, the Durant one was kind of like what I was like holding out for. And I think we're settled enough there that, that hopefully, you know, um, this is, this doesn't become outdated as soon as we <laughs> release it. I'm always worried about that, but I think we're in good shape. So let's kick this off with like, who are the true contenders here? And, Bryce, why don't you run down who you had in this tier? And then I'll kind of, you know, as we go team by team, I'll kind of give you my thoughts on them too.
0: Yeah. So I had four in this tier that I think are true contenders. The Celtics, I think it is obvious. The Bucks. I think those are the two that probably anybody listening is going to automatically agree with. The Sixers, I think Matt would be for most people. Maybe not. I think there's maybe some debate there. And then the one that like I told you before we recorded, I I know people are going to push back on. I push back against myself, but it's the Brooklyn Nets. I just can't look at that roster and not think that they have a chance to win an NBA title because they're so darn talented it, on paper. Like they're the paper, the prototypical on paper, you know, team. So,
1: yeah, I think the Nets are an interesting one. And and maybe let's just start there for, for interest' sake. Uh, you've got Kevin Durant, which... Is always a good place to start for anybody yes. putting the roster together. I would think, uh, and and I like a lot of the guys that they've added. The Royce O'Neill thing seemed strange at the time, but just a veteran defensive wing is good. If they can get not even bubble TJ Warren, but just the guy from that regular season, I think he's a really interesting addition for them. And then you've got Patty Mills and Seth Curry, uh, you know, really interesting people here for them. I, I would say to me, this team is like a trade away because I think Mills and Curry are two of their better players and you almost can't play them together. Um, Could, could they be in some like super backup lineup next to like Ben Simmons or something? And you know, their shooting will make up for all of his non-shooting. I don't know. But if one of those guys got traded out for a big somehow, uh, that would make this team a lot more formidable in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Cause really you look at the big position and they have signed Markeef Morris, but you know, DeRon sharp, are you playing T.J. Warren as a four? You know, right. I don't. I don't know what you're doing there, and so, you know, is is Ben Simmons willing to play small ball five? You know, that's I was the just going to say,
1: Sim- do, yeah. Do we finally get him in the Draymond Green role that people threw out for years?
0: Okay, so that that's the thing, Matt. Like to me, that's what this comes down to. Yeah. Who does Ben Simmons decide he wants to be? Because if Ben Simmons will play that role, and I'm, so I know Draymond Green has been an incredible player for the Golden State Warriors. I think Ben Simmons can fill that role and be maybe even better at it because he's more athletic. He's longer. He's an incredible passer. He would flourish in that role, Matt. And it all comes down to whether or not Ben Simmons is willing to, and and then obviously where's Kyrie at and those things. But that's why they're so darn intriguing. You have Joe Harris, you know, coming off injury, but still just sit there and knock down open shots and space the floor. So I, I think you're right. You, you almost have to consolidate some of those small backcourt players and get you a, a better frontcourt player, at least to come off the bench.
1: If their closing lineup is something along the lines of Kyrie, Katie, Joe Harris, Ben Simmons, and a healthy TJ Warren, <laughs> like how do you guard those guys? Like, I, I mean, it, it's become really fun to shit on Ben Simmons because um, he, he seems like an easy dude to shit on, to be honest, yeah. but... He was really good at basketball for a long time without being able to score. So this notion of, will he shoot or will he not shoot? He's still an impactful player. If he's healthy, I think there's a lot of health ifs with this team. Uh, but let's just for the most of these teams, let's just assume reasonable health and no devastating injuries. Cause that's just a lot less fun of a way to go through this. I just, I don't know how anyone matches up with this team particularly well. Uh, you know, in in a first or second round playoff series, so to me, they're they're due for a deep playoff run. You know, barring them getting the Bucks or somebody in the first round again.
0: Yeah, and so Matt, I, I don't mean to turn it into like a Ben Simmons podcast or segment oh, or whatever, please. but sure. like he, the the lasting image is of him turning down that shot, right? Mm-hmm. He had like, he's had big scoring playoff games, Matt. He scored 30 points in a playoff game. He's had triple doubles in the playoffs. He's not a bum. Mm -hmm. And people like now is his mind, right? I hope. and, And I will never question or, you know, anything, somebody's mental state. And I hope everything is right off the court. And then he figures it out on the court as well. But whether the shooting comes or not, Matt, it doesn't matter. He's still an effective basketball player. If he can knock down a 15-foot jumper, great. If not, he's still really good.
1: Yeah, to me, this is like everybody's going to talk about the chemistry and the locker room culture and all this stuff. But, uh, Bryce, you've played high-level basketball. You'll know this better than most listening to this. Like the winning cures all thing really does apply here. And if they come out of the gates and they're 15-2 and or something crazy, all that shit goes away and no one will kind of remember at the end of the day that oh ben had to hurt back in the playoffs and KD sniped at joe si and steve nash and, and all this stuff and, and that's the other thing people wanted to shit on steve nash but it's hard to be an nba coach in general and no one is really good at it right out of the gate and to be honest that's as hard a situation as a coach could come into so he's going to get better they're going to get better And I think this is just like a more well-constructed roster, you know, with some eventual tweaks, I think in their future.
0: I I don't believe in a statement any more than that, Matt, that winning, you know, cures all can. I played for American university there in Washington, DC. Me and my teammates are close to this day. We have a group chat that's been going for, you know, I graduated in Oh nine. So 13 years now we all talk to each other literally on a daily basis if we would have lost in the first round of the conference tournament when we were the one seed, I don't know that we would have had the same chemistry and togetherness and love for each other as we did winning the conference championship, playing in the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. I'm sorry. like it's It's just a fact of sports, especially at that level, and I can't imagine it's not even amplified at the professional level.
1: And it'll be really funny when Ben Simmons has like a fringe All Star performance in the first half of the year, and everybody forgot the takes that they made that he's a bum and, and all this stuff. Now I'll, I'll be very transparent. When there was a let's swap Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal conversation last year, I was very much against that personally. Okay, I I wouldn't. I don't want to root for Ben Simmons. It doesn't mean that I don't think that he'll be very good in this situation where. Like there's very little expectation for him to be like the guy on a team like this.
0: Okay. So, and that's very true. And role is so important. I think we learned that with Andrew Wiggins this season with the Golden State Warriors, right? You know, he was a bust as a number one pick, but you put him in the right role on that Warriors team and he was incredible. You know, maybe the second most important player on that team in the finals, at least On the Wizards, Ben Simmons is going to be asked to play a role that I don't know that he's ready for and probably mentally and emotionally isn't ready for. On this Nets team, he's essentially option number three. Never has to take a big shot, ever. He never has to take a big shot, Matt. They will never ask him
1: to do it, and that's perfect for Ben Simmons. It's even a step back from the role he had to play in Philly. Philly, he's the number two guy. Here, you could realistically make the... You know, the assertion that he's the fifth most important guy on an offense when he's on the floor. I mean, that's that's huge for him to just worry about setting people up, defending, grab and go. I think this is a nightmare transition team for a lot of teams, and they won 44 games last year. I don't see any way that they don't win 10 more games than that.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. They did. They did lose Bruce Brown, who, as a former Piston and someone Piston fans really like to get frustrated that, you know, isn't still on the Pistons. Again, role is very important and very important context because Bruce Brown on a Pistons team where they're at make doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that is a loss for them that I think is yeah, I noteworthy just because of the role he was playing. He was knocking down shots, defensive, all those things.
1: And he's really the only loss from that roster to me. Like Andre Drummond isn't a loss. Like the ghost of Gordon Dragic isn't a loss. Like, so if they can find somebody to come in and if Royce O'Neal gives them some percentage of that, you know, I think they're still in pretty good shape. Yep, I agree. All right. So I think this is the one in this tier we're going to slightly disagree on a little bit. Okay. You have the Boston Celtics kind of at the top of this pecking order here. I do. Yep. I have them as my might take a slight, Kind of backslide here. And and only because I think they really hit a groove last year and things worked out. And once they got going, that was one of those teams I think where they're two best guys. Like when everything's right, it's right. But when things have gone wrong for them, I think it gets a little dicey. I'd like to see Marcus Smart be that point guard for another year. And do they keep sharing the ball the same way? Is there, you know, let's say Jason Tatum does take a leap forward. Does Jalen Brown eventually get a little resentful? There's just like a lot of guards on this team too. And a lot of people that are going to want the ball. So I don't think they're necessarily going to be like a worse team. I think this is still around a 50 win team, but are they the number two seed in the East again? That's where I kind of think they could maybe fall to that, like four or five slot potentially.
0: No, that's, that's. Fair, Matt. I hadn't thought about that. You know, you talk about chemistry and they seem to find theirs and then the winning and then it snowballed and it snowballed all the way into the NBA finals. And then you ran into, you know, Steph Curry doing what he does and the Warriors doing what they do. And, you know, the Gallo ACL injury isn't that
1: hurts, yeah.
0: Isn't nothing right. Like that's that's important. Again, talking about needing some backup bigs. The only backup big is really Grant Williams, mm-hmm. and I know I know he's good. You know, what kind of season is he going to have? Is he going to shoot lights out another year? Maybe he will, but what if he doesn't? Al Horford found the, you know, fountain of youth or whatever you want to call it in those playoffs. Does he have that for 82 games during the regular season? Robert Williams has battled injuries, and then – you know, I don't follow all of this real close, but it sounds like Malcolm Brogdon can be a little bit of a locker room
1: um, There's some stuff there, potentially
0: some stuff there. Let's say that. So now you add that dynamic in with all these other pieces and, you know, the coaching staff and the organization is going to have to keep that stuff together because expectations are sky high. Right. I'm the top of my list and I'm sure I'm not the only one.
1: And I could be very wrong here. They could take that like positive momentum and like really use that and and it could snowball positively again, or they could use some of the challenges in the finals. Like Tatum had some rough games in there. Grant Williams really struggled down the stretch in the playoffs. Those go one of two ways. They either like use it as a chip and they play a lot better or that lingers a little bit and and things get weird. So uh, you mentioned Horford's fountain of youth thing eventually he has to get old, I think. And he's really, really important to what they do. So if he slows down at all, I think they were relying on Gallo to maybe come in and help them kind of like, you know, rest him a little bit. So I think that's where that loss is big for them. Like you said, Robert Williams gets hurt. Brogdon gets hurt. I think Peyton Pritchard is like pretty good, but I wouldn't want him in like much more of a role than he's in now. So if he has to fill in for one of these guys, how does Derek White take it if he's now like even further down the pecking order if Brogdon does play well? There's just a lot of like question marks for me. And this is the first of the like could use a backup big um, teams, like unless you really have a lot of faith in like Luke Cornette or Noah Vonley coming in and, and providing like really big minutes for them, which I, I don't know disrespect to those two guys. And, and the other thing I want to throw at you, Bryce like wings are so important in like these playoff runs, right. For for these teams. And they've got two really good ones. Yeah. no. But if Tatum or Brown go down, there's no one else on this roster. Like is Sam Hauser coming in and playing meaningful minutes for them on the wing. I just, I don't know what they do.
0: No, you're right. Like as I look at the kind of the 10 deep that I threw together again, actually it's only nine deep, but you know, it's a lot of guards, white Brogdon Pritchard all can, I'm assuming you're coming off the bench. And so where did all those minutes come from? Um, again, just because I'm cover the Pistons, you know, we were all hoping that Kelly Olynyk was going to get traded back to Boston. I think they had a, trade, sense. Ex- yeah. they had a trade exemption that fit his, his uh, salary fit right into. And the Pistons are a little bit, you know, for a rebuilding team or kind of have a lot of bigs essentially. And uh, you know, he would have made sense. I felt like for the Celtics, And so um, there seems to be a hole there and it will be interesting how they decide to fill it, especially with Gallo gone now.
1: Yeah, agreed. So again, I, I think anywhere one through four, you can make a really strong argument for this team. I just am a little more skeptical, but if a couple of those things work out or they make a couple like they flip white or somebody for a big or a wing or whatever, I think this is a totally different looking team at the end of the day. All right, so let's segue into the next team you had on your list. This is my number one team overall here. I just really like what the Bucs have done, and it's kind of minimal, to be honest, but I think they're just like the right margins moves for them. Uh, So Milwaukee won 51 games last year. They're the third seed in the East, and that was like with them missing a lot of time from people like Middleton. Holiday got banged up during the year, and I think they just kind of like brought in some reinforcements. So uh, what do you like about the Bucs, I guess? Other than Giannis. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: you know, and, and remember, this is a big rival of the Pistons. So maybe there's a little bit of bias here that they're not number I, I liked the Joe Ingles signing, assuming too, he lot. can come back yeah. and, and be even a little bit of what he was before the injury. I don't know that the rookie, I know these teams, we don't, we're don't. we not going to talk about draft picks much, but they did get Marshawn Beauchamp, you know, a, a, you know, so a guy that could play for them maybe a little bit. I still think maybe they need a backup big, but they can probably stagger minutes and make it work. Um, I wonder, you know, Brooke Lopez, you know, how much more does he have left? Bobby Portis, I felt like, is a really important player for them, Matt. And so if he continues to play well, I really like this team also.
1: Yeah, and I think that's huge for them too, right? Is like, what does like their best lineup actually look like at the end of the day here? Holiday, Middleton, Giannis are definitely on the floor for them when it matters it's is grayson allen gonna be what we saw for part of the year last year grayson allen is pat Connaughton the starter is like you said is ingles healthy enough can bochamp give them solid minutes on the wing can jordan noira ever guard anybody um you know it's just like you will come in and hit some threes which they need somebody to do but also probably gonna have to guard a couple people along the way so some question marks here for this team i just. I trust that their kind of big three will continue to be reasonably healthy. Middleton probably has a better year than last year. And uh, they just seem like the most recession proof to me.
0: So, and one thing I believe in, whenever you talk about basketball philosophies is whenever you have the best player on the floor, you always have you a, a good really shot. good, a good chance <laughs> and they're going to have the best player on the floor Arguably a hundred percent of their games, if not 95% of their games, depending mm-hmm. on who you think the best player in the world is. He's darn close. And so that alone, let it combined with their pedigree in general of what they've been doing over the last few seasons, you know, makes them a contender, no matter whether you have them one, two, three, four, wherever on that list.
1: I don't know what their draft capital situation is. Obviously, their picks are going to be late in the first round anyway, but if I'm them. I go to like, I don't know, the Washington Wizards or somebody, perhaps if it's not going well for Washington in the middle of the year. And I try to get a Will Barton, a Kyle Kuzma, one of these expiring contract guys to just bolster what they're doing for a playoff run. Because I think for them, Drew Holiday is going to slow down eventually. Uh, Giannis can't continue to do like all of this stuff on his own. You mentioned their need for a big. So could they have somebody like Kuzma come in and be like super Bobby Portis for them uh, i think something something probably gives for them uh, around you know, around the uh, trade deadline i would think
0: so a quick google search here so for listeners don't hold me to this but it looks like they do not have their own first until
1: 2028 ooh okay well that so makes that, things a little rougher then <laughs> so
0: that they have seconds they have two seconds upcoming the next two drafts one second the two after that and then 28 29 Obviously they can't trade picks for 2030 yet, but in 28 and 29, they have their phone first and seconds. According to this, again, don't hold me you know, to this if if I'm getting misinformation here, but that's what it looks like it would be. So not ideal.
1: Yeah, that, that changes things a little bit. I was like, ah, you know, they'll just go in and they will flip one of these guys for some win yeah. now help. And yeah, um, maybe not quite that easy, but either way, I think they're still really good. And Joe Ingles is like, my like sneaky favorite guy. I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times, but when I was at draft express, I did his first ever interview with an American outlet. Oh, like, you know, we've got this like long standing connection where I root for Joe. And uh, I think he is like the perfect fit for them. If he can be anything close to what he was, you know, two, three seasons ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that was a nice pickup and a nice addition for
1: them this off season. All right. Let's uh, move this into the Philadelphia 76ers here to me. I loved what they did this off season. Um, I think this team just like makes a lot more sense now, but where are you with the 76ers overall?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you can sign PJ Tucker, you sign PJ Tucker, right? Like you just, you, you win win playoff games with PJ Tucker. Again, I'll make the same argument. Joel Embiid, you know, I don't think anybody's probably making the argument best player in the NBA. Maybe some people are, but 90% of the games you play, you have the best player on the floor in Joel Embiid, James Harden, I think we're getting into the territory again of almost taking too much hate for mm-hmm. the player he still is. I'm, nobody's going to argue he was the player he was. There's something to him taking less money, Matt. Like, that's a I real agree. thing. You don't take less money if you're not willing to then all do all the other things it's going to take to win games, right? Like, at the end of the day, that's a lot of money that he gave away. I don't care how much money he's made. That's real money he gave back. And so um, you got to think that maybe there's a slight change in mindset with him. Be a creator for others. Maxi's a good player, obviously. Um, they just recently signed Montrez Harrell, which I know there's been off the court stuff. But if he does get a play and can play and all of that, that's a backup big for them. Um, so Tobias Harris is the thing with them always, right? Like that's, is he the third best player on a championship team? And do they need him to be that good? I don't know but it seems like he's always the one that you're unsure about on that roster.
1: He could conceivably, if Maxi takes another leap, comfortably be the fourth best player on this. That's team. true. That's true. That's, that,
0: and that's a great role for him.
1: That's a huge luxury to have. And I think any team in this league w- would be happy to have that as their fourth starter. And I actually think he was pretty good for most of last year. I like the defense a little bit better than he gets credit for. So, if he doesn't have to do too much, I think that's a big deal. Maxie's the guy they need to take a big step forward. If he can continue to score as efficiently and shoot as well as he did next to Harden for a whole season, uh, that's that's insane to me. And I think they need Harden to be like early uh, Rockets, James Harden, where he was the like, or even that first you know half of a season with Brooklyn, where he was like the creator facilitator. That's huge for them, especially if they can put some of these guys around him. I really like the D'Anthony Melton pickup. I think he yes. makes sense. Like you said about Tucker, he adds some defense there. And, and Matras Harrell wins you regular season playoff games. Like assuming he's not in prison at some point during the year, I'm assuming that's probably a safe bet because these guys are are famous enough that nothing's really going to happen there. Would be my guess. But he's tough. Cork Maz mix just enough shots. Um, can Thibault give them anything? I have some doubts about that, but. You've added enough other pieces that now George Niang doesn't have to be your sixth best guy and he's your ninth or 10th guy. Um, that's huge. I really, really liked Paul Reed, Paul, like pre-draft. So this is the year, I think, if they're ever going to get anything from Paul Reed, like they need him to be like a meaningful rotation player this season, I think.
0: You know, that was an interesting name last season, Matt. Again, not that I catch, you know, 82 Sixers games, but I watch as much of the rest of the NBA as I can. Mm -hmm. And obviously when teams play the Pistons, but I kept seeing people argue, why DeAndre Jordan? Why aren't they playing Paul Reed? Why DeAndre Jordan? Why aren't they playing Paul Reed? And so maybe he finally gets his chance this season to play those. Now with Harrell in the mix, maybe he doesn't, but the thing they do have is they have, you know, lots of options here. and again. They could consolidate some of those options into one player that's a little bit better if they need to at a certain point.
1: And some of these guys that won't even be in the rotation for them, I actually like. We're not that many years away from like Daniel or Daniel House being like a meaningful rotation player. Sure. Shake Milton had some really good moments for them the last couple of years. He's probably not even a meaningful member of this rotation at the moment. I still have like a decent amount of Isaiah Joe stock. I don't know if he'll ever do anything in the NBA, but the dude can shoot it. Uh Julian Champagny, if he can bring anything to them. So to your point, if they can turn a couple of those guys and Thibault or something like that into one better player that's a really tough team to beat.
0: Yeah. I, and I don't know why I like Matisse Thibel so much, but for some reason, he's just one of those guys that I'm cheering sure. for. I, I like the defensive stuff, but, you know, you got to be able to do something offensively, right? You got to be able to knock down shots or Mm -hmm. or something. And, you know, he's just not right now. And and so I'm kind of hoping he has a good season because I feel like he's slowly kind of falling out of favor after kind of, you know, gaining some uh, momentum early in his career for his defensive acumen. All
1: right. So I think we've covered the teams in the East that are like title contender worthy. This next team I want to talk about, I don't think they can win an NBA title, but if they jumped over one of these teams in terms of like playoff standings, it wouldn't surprise me a whole lot just because I think young, deep teams are like well-suited to be like competitive in the regular season. So that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. I actually just like really like this roster. Again, I, I don't think there's any world where this team wins a title next year, but if they ended up like the three seed, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. Uh, What do you think about Cleveland and the moves that they've made?
0: Uh, So let me ask you a quick question. Who do you think starts Matt? I mean, we all it's Garland Mitchell, uh, Mobley and Allen. We all know that. Who do you think starts at the three?
1: I'm a Chetty Osmond believer at this point in time. Okay. Um, Just because he probably gives you the best blend of offense and defense. He doesn't give you like that much of either, but he gives you like a little bit of both. Okoro gives you nothing offensively, and the defense is solid, maybe slightly a little overrated at this point. Uh, Levert doesn't guard anybody, and I don't think he makes a ton of sense with that starting five. So I, I'm not even sure who like the other candidate would be at this point, unless you went really small and started Rubio next to the other two guards. Um, but that would be kind of a big departure from what they did last year, I think.
0: Yeah, so that's what I think is interesting. And I think that along with another point I want to get to in a second is why I don't have him in that top tier. I actually think it may be Okoro, at least to start the season. And then you have a really good second unit, Matt, of Rubio. You let Levert just go bananas, right? Like let, let him have people. <laughs> yeah, let him be a Jordan Clarkson type role. Go be six man of the year. Osman's still in that group. Um, and then you still have Kevin Love you know, on that roster and, and Robin Lopez. So uh, I think it's, it's a nice roster. That's a nice two deep, you know, I didn't even mention Dean Wade, who's from a small town here in Kansas. So got to mention him if I get a chance and he's played some nice minutes for that team as well. So like, you know, even if he's the, the 11th guy that only plays when somebody's hurt, that's not a bad 11th guy to have on your roster. And you're absolutely right. They may win a ton of games in the regular season. I just don't think they actually make like an Easter conference finals or NBA finals run.
1: This is the team to me that like could end up one of the top four seeds and lose in the first round kind of thing because they're just probably not there yet. You don't know what Rubio's health will look like. You don't know what the Kevin Love situation will look like for the course of the season. Uh, Allen's been banged up a good amount the last couple of uh, years you know there's always some kind of like minor nagging thing but you mentioned Dean Wade who I think is a really serviceable guy especially in a regular season to just like eat up minutes and be competent next to other good players I like the rest of their kind of young guys too like I think Isaiah Mobley is going to be good for them too yeah he obviously knows how to play next to his brother and I'm like still an RJ Nemhard believer I I don't know what his like real status is for this roster but Could he be like young and plucky for them? And does like Dylan Windler ever give them anything? Like I watched him drop 30 on Maryland in an NCAA tournament game and thought, holy shit, this guy can shoot over anyone. And he's six foot nine. He hasn't been healthy. You know, could he be like the really poor man's version of what Markinen was for them with this group last year? I I don't know, but if he can be some small approximation of that for, you know, 12 minutes a game, I, I think that's helpful too.
0: And those guys are important, right? When you're talking about especially playoff seeding, you, you mentioned it with Montrezl Harrell. When, I remember ja, Javel McGee on those Warriors teams yeah. when he was with them. And like he helped them win regular season games and get standings because when nobody else had energy and wanted to play hard, JaVel McGee did it. And so he, here's the question I have about the Cavs. The other teams we've mentioned so far, Matt, you know, Giannis, top three player in the in the NBA. Joel, top three, top five player in the NBA. KD, top three player in the NBA when healthy. Top three top, you know. The Celtics, maybe Jason Tatum isn't top five, but what top 10, 15?
1: Yeah. I think he could easily end up in the top 10 if he continues what he did the second half last year.
0: So who is the Cavs best player right now? Donovan Mitchell? Most proven?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, if you is he top 20 in the NBA? He's fringe. I think he's he's somewhere between 17 and 25, depending on the night. So that's
0: my argument for why I don't think they win a championship. I love those four guys and all four of those guys may be 20 to 40, 20 to 50, somewhere in there. But if you don't have a top 10 guy, I think it's really, really hard to win an NBA championship. Um, I could very well be proven wrong. That's just kind of how I feel.
1: Jared Allen is like sneaky, the most important player on their <laughs> yeah. team to me of this group, because they need him to clean up so much for them defensively. And when yes. they played Mobley and Allen together, that's a top five defense. When Allen was hurt, they were a bottom five defense. And I think people kind of forgot that they actually struggled a lot defensively down the stretch last year or And like the three big men thing was like fun and that. <laughs> they needed those guys to be flexible around each other. And now they've got one more porous perimeter defender to clean up for. So to that point, if you lose Allen for 20 games of the year, I don't know, maybe things get ugly in Cleveland, and they find themselves back in the lottery or something. I think there is a world where that happens too, but typically I think there's always like one team that they're young, they're excited. They play hard in the regular season and they all buy in and clicks and they're better than the sum of their parts. So I, I think. They're my bet for that. Maybe them or Toronto.
0: What uh, What were your thoughts? Did you like the trade? Because I heard someone make the comments that, and, and it is a big podcast, that $18 million of Colin Sexton is better to them than thirty or whatever it is of Donovan Mitchell.
1: I think at the end of the day, you need somebody that you can hand the ball to in a big situation and just say, like, go continue to score repeatedly. I don't think Colin Sexton does that for you. Um, Garland can, but we saw it in the playoffs that he can't do that alone. And maybe Mobley adds more to his offense or something, or they add another piece along the way. That's the other thing here, too. I think they could still make another move with the guys that they still have, um, you know, how big of a move, I I don't know, but if you make one more kind of minor upgrade, I think that makes a big difference, but people forget. We're also like not that far removed from like the Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, um, where they both just went like nuclear on each other. And, uh, you know, he could win you two playoff games by himself, I think.
0: Sure. No, I agree with that. That's a great point.
1: So, uh, the next team we have on the list here, the Miami heat, They won 53 games last year. They were the first (laughs) seed in the Eastern conference. If any of these teams take a step back to me, that's probably Miami just because this is, this is the weirdest of the rosters to me. Just, just let's run down the list here real quick. You've got Kyle Lowry at some point he has to slow down and get old. I think probably do they potentially start Victor Oladipo next to him? I don't, even know what to expect to get from Oladipo anymore? Is he a defensive guy now? Can he get back to scoring? Uh what's the deal with Duncan Robinson? Can he play in the playoffs ever again? Is Tyler Hero ever going to take a step forward? Whichever one of the Martin twins they have, I don't even remember anymore. Okay. Is like, yeah. It's, it's good, so but... funny.
0: Cause I didn't put it in the notes which one it was. I was like, oh shoot, I'm just gonna say Martin and hope that Matt either corrects me or fills it in for me.
1: I loved them so much. And I swear to God that I watched every single Nevada game their last year there. And I'm like, these are my two favorite guys. And at some point I was like, wait, when did they both like, why aren't they both still on the Hornets? What happened here? Uh, I think, I think they have Caleb Martin. Who is the scorer yep. of the two. Yeah. yeah. But, Cody uh, is on the Hornets. Cup. Yeah. Um, th- that's how I remember them. Caleb is more of a scorer. Cody is more of a distributor, but I wouldn't, um, have been like a hundred percent confident in that, you know, he's fine. I think he's a better than the, sum of his talents guy because he's on the heat. I'm still not like a firm believer in Max Struess being really good long-term. I-, I don't, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Gabe Vincent, same kind of thing. Is Dwayne Deadman going to give you much again, a second year? I was like super high on Omer Yurtsevin because I got to see him a lot while well, when he was occasionally healthy uh here in uh in Washington when he was at Georgetown. So there's just like a lot of ifs to me on this roster. And I promise I'll stop rambling here in a second. But the last thing I want to throw in on them is there's always one guy on their team that shows up out of nowhere that they turn into someone. So Uh, I'm like a sneaky Kansas Jayhawk fan, which is probably, I'm not the only one on this podcast that (laughs) watches a good amount of Jayhawks, but like, could Marcus Garrett give them something that wouldn't shock me as just like a guy to come in and defend the shit out of people. Uh, but I don't know who their guy is this year that takes this like weird leap out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. So obviously I am a, a KU fan. I grew up that Marcus Garrett was not one of my favorite KU Jayhawk players. Okay. So I'm not going to uh, second that one. Um, he was very frustrating to me in, in his time at KU. Sure. I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. I've never been a big Kyle Lowry guy, Matt. Um, I, I love what Jimmy Butler does. I love the intensity he plays the game with. I'm not sure. I just like, this is going to sound crazy. I know, but I don't buy him as a number one on a championship team. I just don't think he's the best player on a title contender. And I know there was the bubble year and all that. And I'm not trying to discount it because it was the bubble. I'm not, I just think maybe that was the one time Mm -hmm. in his career where he did it. And I don't see it happening again. And then, you know, you talked about it earlier, I believe with the Celtics, it's a lot of guards like you know dumping Duncan Robinson's a little bit more wingy I guess but he can't guard anybody it's not like he's a big they don't have any bigs like they have Bam and then Deadman and Yurt Seven Uh, it's a weird roster is Tyler Hero going to be happy again coming off the bench is Duncan Robinson going to be happy not playing at all or after what happened last year in the playoffs like I know it's crazy after how many games they won last year and Pat Riley and Spo is a, a really good coach, but like, I just, I, I'm not buying it that they're an actual title contender.
1: I'm just not. This is a definite like fool me once, fool me twice thing. I, I have said this probably each of the last three years, but I, I just, yeah, they're going to have to prove it to me again. Cause I just, I don't believe it. You mentioned not being the biggest Kyle Lowry fan for anybody like listening in the car with their little kids in the backseat. And the, uh, the podcast is on speaker or something mute it right now this is your warning like fuck Kyle Lowry I'm just over him I'm over Jimmy Butler like just just go away I I just I'm sick of Jimmy Butler telling me what a winner he is every year like he hasn't actually won shit yet so um yeah I just I don't care anymore bam takes a lot of like punishment and makes up for a lot for them but he's still undersized so he's gonna take a lot of beating and at some point it's gonna catch up to him over the course of a year and, yeah, just Deadman and Yurtzevin aren't going to come in and replace what Bam gives you. So I think this is a team that's, like, one injury away from, like, having a real drop-off.
0: And I, to me, they're one of those teams, like, the rails could just come off, right? Yeah. And, like, it just ends up going really bad. Jimmy gets hurt. Lowry is old. And Hero's unhappy. Robinson's unhappy. And it's like, okay, now what do we do with this roster? And so I just – that's probably not what's going to happen, but I could definitely see it happening. And like I say, at the end of the day, I
1: just don't believe they're championship contenders. And you mentioned like Butler not being a number one. I agree, but I think he's like a hell of a number two. Oh he yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he covers up for so much and so does Bam, but I think they're so reliant on like those two guys to cover up for everybody else. And these like other guys that they brought in out of nowhere have like plugged the holes like admirably. But if no one fills that void this year, I think the Tucker loss is significant. I really liked Nikola Jovich, but I don't expect him to do much for them in this the next year. three Not, years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh so yeah, if, if this team ended up like the sixth seed, I, I don't think I'd be all that shocked.
0: My wife also has a huge crush on Jimmy Butler, which is super annoying, Matt. Yeah, so I, I just yeah. yeah. And 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 my dumbass scheduled for us to go to the pistons game when they play the miami heat in in april so i'm hoping he's not injured seriously maybe just like an ankle roll and doesn't he
1: can make the trip (laughs) he
0: doesn't make the trip
1: yep i think that's totally fair yeah get out of here jimmy butler we're we're not about (laughs) that uh all right next team we got on here the toronto raptors Ooh, i just we talk about heat culture i'm like all in on raptors culture sure I don't buy like off-season workout videos. Typically, this is my one caveat. I watched this off-season thing that Scotty Barnes put together and it was them at like Rico Hines runs in LA and they were like, no, we have five Raptors here and all five of us are going to play together and we are working on shit. We only play together like they were all about it. And I just, I like the way they build a team, like really big, long athletic guys make sense to me. I've admitted multiple times over the last couple of weeks, I was very wrong about Scotty Barnes. I just didn't think he'd do much offensively for his first couple of years. I think he's going to be like an all-star level player this year at the very least. So I'm, I'm kind of all in on this team being just like young and plucky and fun. If they can get something out of Josh Jackson, I think this is the kind of team that can do it. I liked Christian Coloco. So I'm all in on the Raptors, like playing and being that team that's like better than the sum of their parts. Where are you at with Toronto?
0: So here's what I will say. I agree with you. I love a team where you can just look at them and like, this is what they're going to do. And they're fully bought into it from top to bottom. You know, obviously the the top of the organization buys into it, the coaching staff buys into it, and that's what their organization is. I think there's a flaw in it, Mm. in my opinion, but... If Scotty is the guy that maybe he becomes, then it fixes that flaw. Like I don't think you win with five, six, eight dudes. I still, I still think there's a place in the game for six, four to six, six on no, ball creators. Yeah. That, but if Scotty does that at six, eight, then then that fixes a lot of that. But I love an organization that says this is our plan and this is how we're going to do it, and they stick to it. And I'll tell you this: they destroyed, they freaking destroyed the Pistons in the Rico Hines runs. <laughs> they killed them. And so, um, they look, they look, I realize it's Rico Hines runs and it's the summer, but still, um, they look good.
1: Barnes is like out there out dueling Paul George. So like, I don't think there's anything, uh, wrong with them. Them looking really good. I do have a couple questions here. I'm still not like totally bought in on, on Fred Van Vliet as like, a a long-term big time guy, just because eventually being under six feet tall probably sure. catches up to you. You take yes. a little bit more of a pounding. And like when combo guards fall off, they really fall off. Fast. So, so th- that's an issue. Uh, and you've heard just some rumblings about like OG and Anobi maybe wanting out at points. You've heard Pascal Siakam maybe wanting out at different points. I don't know how much truth there is to any of that. Realistically, I think this team could use like another like upgrade at at like backup big. Boucher's fine. Kemba is fine. Precious is good, I think, but probably. You know you you could use like another like real center in there somewhere so that's still sort of a question mark to me is how they fill out the rest of this group but it's a really good young core and maybe they make some trades and and move some things around here too so i'm going to be interested to see what they do throughout the year i also don't buy pascal siakam as like a fringe mvp candidate but he's still pretty darn good and i would be happy to have him on my team
0: You know, that is interesting, right? There was a lot of talk about OG and then the Raptors came up in the KD talks. I don't know how serious it was, but it made sense. Like consolidate, I think is a word I'm going to use. I've used a little bit. I'm going to use over the next few teams. Like I said, when we get to your Washington Wizards as well, I also wonder, you know, I wonder if there's a changing of the guard that there's a little bit of a power struggle. We Mm -hmm. saw this. I'm sorry for the listeners. I know I was referred back to the Pistons, but Jeremy Grant came to Detroit to be the man and mm-hmm. then they drafted Cade Cunningham and at the beginning of the last season I felt as an outsider there was a little bit of a struggle like Jeremy's like no this is my team and how we all knew no 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 Jeremy this is Cade Cunningham and yeah, that season. flipped
1: very quickly there I think. yes
0: I wonder if there's a little bit of that in Toronto especially yeah. with Pascal like this is supposed to be my team and then Scotty Barnes comes on out of nowhere and it's like no this is Scotty Barnes team now
1: you also hear some rumblings that maybe not everybody loves playing for Nick nurse. It's a little bit of like the Tom Thibodeau syndrome. We talked about like the mileage on Jimmy Butler and uh, you know, some of these guys just, just might not want to be kind of played that same way. And, and he does like different kind of out there stuff. And I don't know that everybody likes the non-conventional thing, especially when you're, you know, used to playing a certain way. So uh, we'll see. I buy him as being able to get the most out of their talent though. So to me, I, I think, I would actually think I would be willing to bet money that they are a better team come playoff time than the heat are. And that might be a hot take, but we'll see how it shakes out.
0: Yeah, no, I, they're definitely intriguing. And again, I, I love that they have a
1: plan and they stick to it. All right. This next two teams you have here as uh, playoff teams, but more pretenders than potential contenders. So in the same tier as those last couple teams, you mentioned to me, this is like a next sub-tier down.
0: Okay, so I, I was reading through my teams right before we recorded. And I'm like, these two teams, I don't know that they should be where I have them. So I almost, I don't know if they should be in the tier down with the Knicks or if we have just a little bit of a split. But talent-wise, I don't know. They do have some talent, though. So let's just go ahead and get into it, I guess.
1: I think they are... They're playoff teams, but I don't expect them to do much come playoff team playoff time. And if they ended up in the play in, it wouldn't surprise me. Whereas like, I don't think there's a situation where they fall out of the play in range. I think there is a world where like the Knicks could fall out of that potentially. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that, that's how I would split them is like the next mini tier down, but we've got the Chicago bulls. Uh, they started off like red hot for most of last year and then also kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, They added Andre Drummond, which I don't know, again, is actually a good thing. They added Goran Dragic. We'll see if that's a good thing. They lost former wizard Troy Brown Jr. I don't know that that matters to them at all. Uh, But realistically, they just kept their core. And I think on paper, you could easily make the argument that if they have everybody back and healthy, maybe this is a better team than last year. I personally wouldn't make that argument. but you know, I, I think it's, it's reasonable. So, so why do you think the bulls are in the kind of that next maybe sub tier potentially?
0: Yeah. I mean, because the starting lineup, if it were healthy of ball, Levine to Rosen, Williams and Vooch, I really like, and I know there's flaws. I'm not saying that's a championship. It's five starting really good five, guys though. <laughs> five really good players. And I, Matt, I really like Zach Levine. I think he's a big time player and and I I kind of fall in love with these smooth athletes. It's why I loved Benedict Matherin in Mm -hmm. the draft. And I know we'll get to talk on him just a little bit later when we talk about the Pacers, then they got a few, you know, Caruso, A.O. DeSumo was a a good rookie season for them. So they they have some nice pieces again, nowhere near a contender. Um, But this could fall off really fast, right? Like Lonzo Ball, isn't even back playing. Like yeah, as I don't know pain what his is,
1: status is either.
0: Like it, it's, it's scary as somebody went through a lot of knee injuries myself in my career. Like I know how these things can snowball. DeRozan eventually is going to start heading back the other direction. And, and Vooch, you know, same type of thing. He'll so be
1: 32 at the start of the season. And Vooch, will. Vooch yeah, will. Yeah. Yeah. And like so, that's right on the edge, right. Of like, here's this maybe slightly, undersized big guy, considering all that they ask him to do, if he slows down at all, that, that really makes like life tough on them defensively. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a chance like we're at the play in what are we're at fourth. I mean, we're in the play in game right now. I think this is our eighth team. So, you know, maybe there is a chance if things really didn't go right. You know, they drafted Dalen Terry, the kid out of Arizona. I don't know that he gives them a lot in year one. I like I like what he does. Yeah. He's going to be a good player, but not right now. So the depth could be tested right away, as could the top
1: end talent in the starting lineup. Bryce right, so I got a question here for you about this group. What is Patrick Williams? Like what what? What is he? What what do we? What should we expect from him? How good is he? I, I honestly don't have any real idea at this point.
0: I, I don't know either. I don't know, Matt. I know as Pistons Piston fans wanted Jeremy Grant for Patrick Williams so bad. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, I last have made that year, trade yeah. Um, as it turned out, ended up with uh, Jalen Duren, which we're excited okay. about as well. But um, I don't know. I want some games though to find out. I want to see a season. Um, This year to find out what he is and if he's as good as how everybody talks about him.
1: So I said I didn't want to do worst case scenario uh, because that's not as fun, but it is a little fun with this particular team. So just (laughs) bear with me here. If ball doesn't come back healthy, Levine has had some injury issues. DeRozan could potentially slow down. Maybe Patrick Williams isn't as good as they think he can be, or he also continues to struggle with injuries. Does Vooch slow down? I'm still not a Kobe white believer. Caruso's had some f- like fluke freakish injuries. Dragic is old. I'm still not sold that IO is as good as sure. everybody made him out to be last year. I think he's really solid. I had him in the twenties on my board. I think he's a twenties level, you know, seventh, eighth man kind of guy. But if I'm them, I wouldn't expect this to be a guy that makes like a huge jump to fringe starterdom. I don't buy into Derek Jones Jr. Being like a meaningful player. Andre Drummond is Andre Drummond. So like there's a world where this gets like really weird and one of those guys gets injured or two of those guys get injured. And, and this is like the 13 seed. Yeah.
0: And, and Matt, those things happen, right? Like yeah. not every one of these teams is gonna, you know, hit the the ceiling, not even the ceiling, you know, like hit what the expectations, even, you know, median expectations. We see this happen. It's like, Oh, who is the team that's, going to tank or who's the, like, somebody's going to end up selling. Like, do they end up trading Zach Levine and go full tank mode or something? You know, like, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but somebody is always that team and they kind of have the writings of a team that can end up in that boat.
1: Now, if I wanted to like devil's advocate, everything we just talked about, they were pretty snake bitten with injuries and COVID and health stuff last year and still won 46 games. So (laughs) You know, maybe they're just like well-suited to overcome that. But I think some teams too, like they overcome those things for a year and then it catches up to you longer term. You know, the extra mileage those guys have to put on. uh, It just, you pay for it longer term. So anyway, we'll see what they look like. The next team we have here is the Atlanta Hawks. They were the ninth seed in the East last year. Really weird team. I've never seen a young sort of team that made a good run the year before start the season by saying that they're bored by the regular season. I, I just don't know what to make of them. Uh, what are the Hawks? What's the ceiling? What are they going for? I don't even know what the plan is anymore. The Murray signing. I like Murray a lot. I have like a lot of long-term receipts for DeJounte Murray, but it doesn't actually make that much sense to me with this group. So what are they trying to do here? I guess, Bryce.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you just name the five starters, Trey Young, Jante Murray, Yandre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, it's like, oh, that's five, good five, <laughs> five really good players, you know, yeah. like Trey Young is really good. And you're still bringing Bogdanovich, O.O., uh, Adrian, AJ Griffin, the kid out of Duke that they drafted is um, a sh- knockdown shooter. I thought he, where he ended up getting drafted, Matt, was a really good value. Yeah. I didn't like him whenever people were talking top 10, but where Agreed. he ended up going was totally. perfect. Now there's injury history there as well, which is why you probably ended up falling. But I don't know. Like, again, I think it's a team where you could have major chemistry issues where like John Collins never seems happy. How are Trey and DeJounte going to play together in the backcourt? Capella, like I like him, um, but it's not like just an insane difference maker. Like I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them. So I think I put in there starting lineup could be really good. I don't know that they have the depth to really be a a really good playoff team.
1: I think a lot of times when you have guys that theoretically can play multiple positions, it's a good thing in their situation. I think it's a lot of like, I don't know what this guy is. So he could be multiple positions is Trey young better with the ball 40% of the time. Would he be better suited to be off ball more? Can he be off ball more? Is Murray going to have to be off ball? Can he be off ball? Uh, Hunter and Collins theoretically are probably best suited to be fours. So how does that work? Is there a world where a starts to steal minutes from Capella or maybe supplant him as the starter? Can Jalen Johnson give them anything this year as another guy? That's probably realistically a four. I, I was not like impressed when I saw Bogdanovich play at all last year. They used him as like a backup point guard. Some, I guess maybe they're going to stagger Trey and Murray so they're not worried about backup point guard and Bogdanovich can be like the secondary creator with either of them, but they could use another guard other than Aaron Holiday. So just a weird thing, what they were building before made sense to me. I saw the vision. Now this is just like, maybe let's get the five best guys we can get and hopefully it works out.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what that trade seemed like, right? Like we're gonna go get Jante Murray, and because he's the best player we can get, and we'll just get the best five players and figure it out. And I don't know that's gonna work. Like I really like Trey Young offensively; mm-hmm. he's he's very good. But again, like I'm not sure. They had the one playoffs, you know, and then like I said, it seems like it's just gone downhill since then, and so. I, I think they end up in the play-in. Like I think that's probably where they. I, I may have them. I may have them a tier too high. As we honestly, as we talk about it, in terms of, I'm not sure they actually make the playoffs. Like they, they maybe should have been in the play inbound bound uh, tier with with our next team.
1: Also, if this team had like a Trey Young or Dante Murray injury and got weird, and they sold off oh. Collins or Hunter or something like that. This might be another totally different looking roster by next season, you know, after yep. this one, too. So I I just I think this was a we had a game plan and we got impatient because we didn't win right away or our little playoff success fooled us into making impatient moves. And I, I just I kind of don't see that there. But the next team we have is the New York Knicks. I think you are higher on this team than I am. So I will okay. let you take the floor here.
0: OK, yeah, because I actually don't mind they're too deep. So um, Brunson quickly, Barrett, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. And then you got Rose Grimes, Fournier, Toppin. I I like Isaiah Hartenstein off the bench. So I don't think it's a team that's like going to pull a first round upset. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a team that's going to scare somebody if they made it out of the play in tournament, Matt. But I do think that they're better than the next group of teams we had.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: And so like, that's why they're almost in a tier by themselves is I don't think they're near as good as the teams we've discussed so far, other than maybe the Hawks. I'm still kind of talking myself into that, mm-hmm. but I think they're better than the the next. I think there's a for sure tier between them and
1: the next group of guys. I, I am a homer, so I would advocate for the Wizards over. This they would be the, team.
0: they would be the one team Matt, that, that, that I would agree with. Yep. But to
1: your point uh, and behind the scenes for anybody on, on the really good note sheet that Bryce has here. It's I like this roster a little more than I realized before outlining the two deep. And <laughs> I actually really agree with that. I had a ton of quickly stock going into the draft. I had a ton of top of the stock going into the draft and I had a ton of grime stock going into the draft. I like those guys, but I'm not sure Brunson is your number one fringe max yeah. contract guy. Yep. I, I still don't know what RJ Barrett is. Randall was really tough to watch certain times last year. I'm assuming he makes at least somewhat of a bounce back. I don't actually know that Mitchell Robinson is good at basketball. I'm still not like entirely sold on that, but he can do like a good season, um a good full season. Uh Hardenstein I think is kind of like was so underrated, he maybe he's become overrated at this <laughs> That's point. That's probably true. Yes. Toppin, there's some flashes. Fournier I loved like five years ago at some point Rose has to fall off a cliff. Yes. Like to me, if like Jalen Brunson, isn't, you know, like a fringe all-star for them, I I don't know what this team actually really looks like or unless maybe Barrett takes a huge jump. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think you're counting on that, that he, I mean, I think he averaged almost 20 a game last year when I was looking up some numbers, we were having a conversation the other day about him uh, in one of my group chats. And Mm -hmm. so I just think there's enough talent there. I mean, we're talking about the 10th team in the East now, you know, just for perspective for the listeners that, you know, that we haven't, we haven't gone down, you know, in numerical order. So we're not talking about, you know, even a home home game. They're going to have to win two games to get into the playoffs. And so I feel okay still having them in that spot. I'm glad you brought up that line because it really was like, I didn't like the Knicks. I didn't like the Knicks. And then I went through there too deep and I'm like, okay, I, there's some names here that I can mess with a little bit.
1: There's talent. Like, there's some talent. Like, I, I think Grimes is real. I wouldn't have made him untouchable in a trade. Yeah, that think, that was crazy talk, Matt. <laughs> quickly, same thing. Toppin, same thing. None of these guys. I, I. What is Tibbs like long-term? Does he burn out? Some You know, burnout is welcome with some of these guys, too. I just think this could get, like, real weird real quick, and maybe they take a year or two to kind of figure out who's a part of their long-term future or not.
0: So that's where the tear broke. I feel like Matt, I yeah. feel like the last three teams we've talked about the bulls, Hawks and Knicks, we've said there's a real world where this thing gets kind of ugly and it doesn't just take you know all sorts of crazy things like there's just one or two dominoes i don't think we felt that way about the raptors or the Cavs, the heat a little bit but for different reasons and then obviously nobody in the top tier so that's kind of the tier we're in right now and it falls right into the next few teams especially the first team we're going to talk about in the next tier in terms of these teams could really fall apart and end up 12 through 13 14
1: we have the charlotte hornets as the next team on this list in the quote too good to get Wemby or scoot (laughs) tier which i think is amazing i actually think this team could end up being the worst team in basketball potentially i'm just i'm really out on this group for whatever reason i don't buy hayward staying healthy like losing miles bridges is like a big deal i think he was really like super important to what they did I still don't know what PJ Washington is. I don't trust any of the Plumleys at this point. I really liked Booknight. He seems like a lost cause. I don't know that Oubre impacts winning. They've got the other Martin twin, Cody Martin. Fine, you know, eighth man, ninth man. Uh, they just went out and got Mark Williams. I don't think he's ready to help them or neither is Bryce McGowan's in the next couple of years. Eventually, I, I think Lamelo takes a leap, but that also maybe alienates uh, Terry Rozier to some extent. So if he gets traded or Hayward gets traded, I, I think this could get really ugly potentially.
0: I just want for the list. I wanted to make sure we put Scoot in this little headline yeah, of the tier, Matt, because I know we can't get into draft talk, but I know everybody talks about Victor Wimbignana, but Scoot Henderson, you guys need to watch him play. The kid can flat out play and he's going to run an NBA offense someday, even if he ends up being the number two pick. I think that backcourt, if it stays healthy, Matt wins you quite a few games. Mm-hmm. Just a ball and, and Terry Rozier, I'm with you. You know. So I, I guess let's play from the other side. A healthy Gordon Hayward is Great. a really good NBA yeah. basketball player. Yeah. Um, PJ Washington has some talent. Kelly Oubre Jr. shoots the ball well at times. I'm not buying Mark Williams stock um, as much more than a rim protector lob threat guy. But that's a valuable piece in the NBA. Um, Mason Plumley wasn't one of my favorite favorite players to cover whenever he was with the Pistons. I had a lot of fun joking about him on the podcast, but at times can be a serviceable, serviceable big man. So I don't see them making the play-in game, and absolutely, I think I put it in my notes, has all the makings of a regression season because um You know, I I don't like to talk about this stuff too much. When I do, I just, you know, prayers up to everybody involved and everything in the situation with Miles Bridges, and I hope everybody's okay. Um, I assume we don't see him play NBA basketball this season.
1: I would assume the same thing. And without him, to me, they are like three, like real starters on this roster. Agreed. Ball's a starter. Rozier's a starter. Hayward's a starter. That's it. There's a world where PJ Washington could be, you probably don't want him to be, and same with Plumley. And Pl- Plumley's not anymore, no, right. no doubt. Yeah, so th- just that—that's interesting to me. So again, I—everyone I, knows I like to shit on the Wizards because that's what Wizards fans do. But I'm also a homer at the same time. To me, the the Wizards roster is just so much better than their roster. Now, again, how it will all work out? Can those guys stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just get into this. Everyone listening to this will have to hear my Wizards takes throughout the year. So I'd rather hear your Wizards takes. Uh, where, where are you at with this team? What's the ceiling? Is there a world where they end up in a different tier than sort of play in, you know, fringe play in slash, um, you know, lottery level?
0: I mean, I think they can make the play in game or play in tournament. You know, Matt, I, I really do. And I did. I truly like this, Ross. I like Monte Morris. You know, Bradley Bill, like, is a good NBA player, right? Like, a really good NBA player. I know he got paid a ridiculous amount of money. Kyle Kuzma, I feel like, had a really good season last year. Again, lots of times with, you know, someone like him, I'm looking at the numbers a little more than the film. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, Porzingis, if healthy. And then they got a lot of dudes off the bench. You know, I, I put it in all caps with, like, seven exclamation. Consolidate assets, Matt. Consolidate all these assets. You know, either give my guy, Daniel Gafford, playing time or trade him to the Detroit Pistons. I don't <laughs> care which it is, but one of those things needs to happen. We talk, you know, I came on the podcast. We talked about Denny Advia, Kispert. Johnny Davis is going to be a quality NBA player. I don't think it's a huge ceiling. I know he had a bad summer league. I don't care. I think he'll be a solid NBA guard. I, I, there's there's solid talent on the roster I don't know how it all comes together. I don't know if they need to consolidate it. I don't know what where they're trying to go also. Like, you would be able to speak on that better I, than me.
1: No, I really wouldn't. I don't know that <laughs> they could speak on that better either. And, and I think that's part of the problem. But to me, like, Porzingis is more talented than most of the people on the last two teams we just talked about, that's assuming fair. he stays healthy. Beetle, yeah. same thing. That's fair. And... Kuzma, Barton, Morris are capable NBA players. Rui, Kispert, Denny, capable-ish NBA players. I really like Gafford. I think Gafford's going to have a huge year. I think you see him play next to Porzingis some. I think Porzingis will miss enough games that you see him start. So maybe that just turns him into a trade bait on a reasonable contract too. If this thing goes south and they trade off a lot of pieces, I think Gafford would be a guy that like any real contending team would have interest in on a team friendly contract. So I don't know. I, I, I think there's a team every year that things just kind of work and gel and they get the right locker room vibe. And it's been a long time since a Washington team has been that team, but I just have some like a weird kind of feeling about the like mix of guys here. Like Morris is an adult. Kuzma is an adult. I think Delon Wright Is like, going to get up in people and guard defense yeah, solid I think Taj Gibson for whatever he has left on the court I I don't know but I think he's gonna like knock guys on the ground with screens and practice and like try to bring a little toughness to the team so I, I just think that this could be maybe the team that is actually like a tiny bit better than the sum of its parts this year
0: so they're better than the Hornets I know on the way I listed it on you know I didn't have them in that. Uh, They were just in the same tier. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is one other team. We've talked about Matt to destruct. And I would say there's better odds that at least one of those three, four teams we talked about does than all four of them don't, you know what I'm saying? Like one of them is going to either via injury, locker room chemistry, somebody slides, something happens. Somebody slides. The wizards are absolutely the most obvious name to, Jump into that, let alone if they come together and hit their peak. And now you're talking maybe a home play in game. I don't think they get into the top, top six. I don't see Agreed. that world. Agreed. But seven or eight is a realistic possibility. Would I put all my money on it? No. But would I put money that they end up in the top 10?
1: I think I might. Every year, Vegas slots them for like 34 wins. And I'm like, this is easy money. They turn off, <laughs> you know. 17 and whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, free money. And then they win 35 games. So <laughs> I, I could be very wrong here, but I'm definitely going to like take the over on the 34 and a half wins this year too. So w- we'll see what that actually looks like. I think there's also a world where you and I are talking about potential wizards lottery picks next <laughs> June and you know, who knows? So w- we'll see what the the podcast looks like uh, nine months from now, but hopefully that's, that's not the case. All right, the next team we have on this list, and to me, this is another team I think I have sort of in the same range as the Hornets. Uh, with It's the Indiana Pacers. You have it here in the notes. I'm just going to steal your thunder. If they trade Buddy Healed and Miles <laughs> Turner, this could be a really bad team really quickly. Yeah. Um,
0: Tyrese Halliburton. Awesome. Benedict Matherin was my favorite player in the draft. Me too. I will watch because of those two guys. Yeah. But outside of that, if they trade Hilden Turner, like this roster is not cool. Go- like I, I heard someone say the other day, what team that's going to finish in the bottom three guarantees Jalen Smith, the starting four position. Mm-hmm. Like they made an, like it was on my Twitter feed like three months ago. I was like, this is the most random. He's hey. our starting four man ever. You know, like what, what is going on? So um, I I don't know. Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not a very good roster, especially if those two guys
1: aren't on it. I, I like a lot of these guys as role players. If Jalen Smith sure. is your backup power forward, Isaiah Jackson is a backup five, Duarte is a backup two or three who can come in and be like a super sub. Those are all great players. It's just they seem to be missing like three through five <laughs> in the roster at this point. I think... Mathurin's going to be able to score at an NBA level right away. I think he'll defend pretty well. It's just, like you said, you know, there's, there's a big gap there. TJ McConnell is not winning you a lot of regular season games. Um, you know, he's, he's a nice piece. So the next team up is your Detroit Pistons. I actually think the Pistons are going to be considerably better than a lot of these teams. I think of kind of any of the young teams If one of them like played above their sort of pay grade or weight class or whatever term you want to use, I think Detroit is the team to do that. I promise I'm not just saying that because you're on really like Cade. And I think I mentioned this with uh, Toronto too, like, or maybe with Cleveland or both. There's always like a couple where the young, the team is young and athletic and active. And they just annoy the shit out of older, slower teams come like December or January. And that wins them some games they probably shouldn't win otherwise.
0: And I think what this team has this year, and it still lacks shooting, Matt, but they can put some lineups on the floor where they can knock down shots now. Alec Burks is a real shot maker in the NBA. Isaiah Livers hasn't proven it in NBA games, but historically he's been an NBA three-point maker um, or sorry, a three-point shot maker going back to college. Hopefully it'll translate to the NBA. It all co- comes down to Cade Cunningham, right? Like, does Cade Cunningham make a leap in his sophomore season? Does Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart's three-point shot is supposed to be coming around? We'll find out. How good is Jaden Ivey as a sophomore? Um, we were fortunate on the Pistons Pulse to have assistant GM Rob Murphy, on, Rob Murphy on a couple weeks ago. And it was very telling. He said, we're right now at ground zero. He said it three times. On the podcast and we never asked the question specifically, but we said, we said, we're at ground zero. I think they like their young roster and we're going to see those guys get a lot of time and development this year. And maybe it, it translates into wins, but I don't think it's going to be a lot of
1: wins. There's a lot of guys I had like draft stock in. I had a lot of Sadiq Bay draft stock. I didn't want the Wizards to take him at nine, but um in retrospect, I wish they had. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, But I had a lot of Marvin uh, Bagley stock. I liked Isaiah Livers a good amount too. Uh, Who else on here? I I still have all of the Kevin Knox stock that everybody sold off. I I don't know if he does anything for this team. If he, I don't know, does he even make the roster at the end of the day? But I still think there's a world where he plays.
0: There's there's a roster crunch there. It's a really weird dynamic right now. Kimball Walker is technically on the Detroit Pistons for, for the list. He will not be come season, but... Um, like I said, shooting is a premium for this roster and you want floor spacing for Cade. And even if you're going to find out anything about Killian Hayes and then obviously for Jaden Ivey as well. So if Knox can make shots, there's a chance he could play some minutes. Um, I, I did for the list. I always like to give this caveat. I don't know where your Jalen Duran draft stock was, but by all accounts, Jalen Duran would have been in play for the Pistons at number five if Jaden Ivey would have went number four. By all accounts, he was a a top five player on the Pistons big
1: board. I'm just not necessarily low on Duran. I just would never. I always like shit on John Hollinger for this. He says he would never take a center with the first round pick. And then every year his top five has two or three centers (laughs) in it. So I would, I would rarely spend a lottery pick on a center. So that's just why I had Duran lower, but. I don't read too much into summer league, but just watching him play against that wizards group, it was like, Oh shit. I have clearly made a mistake here. He's just so much more athletic, so much more dynamic. What he ultimately is ceiling wise. I don't know, but he's so young and he's got a lot of like fringe tools already. I think that that's going to end up being a really good pickup for them.
0: Matt, he's the youngest player in the NBA this year. And there's a, there's a skill level there that if it develops, this kid's going to be really, really good. And and I can just from the people I do get the pleasure and opportunity to talk to now because of Omari, like they're super excited about him. Like they are juiced about him and what his possible ceiling could be. And they were Rob Murphy said it. They were floored that they were able to grab him at thirteen.
1: Like I said, there's a lot of guys I like there. This next team, there's a lot of pieces I also like too. We'll see how they kind of coalesce and and identify who like the real core guys are for both of these teams moving forward. But the last team here that we have is full tank mode. This is another one I'm going to maybe slightly disagree on here a little bit. Sure, sure. If the Magic were just like a little pluckier in the beginning of the season and, and like won a couple games and surprised some people, it, it wouldn't actually shock me that much. I think Suggs will be better, and he's an MFer on defense. I think Fultz can get into people if he wants to. I think Cole Anthony can score with the best of them. I think Franz Wagner, who I had a lot of pre-draft stock in, is going to make me look really smart again this year. I loved Paulo. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is like somehow underrated. I don't know what RJ Hampton is, but he could. There's a world, theoretically, where he he provides something for them and Jonathan Isaac is someone we talked about on this podcast last week. He's a guy I would love for the Wizards to try to like pry away from them and buy low on game-wise, you know, some of the wacky off-court stuff maybe not as appealing, but the skill set is really impressive. I think they're young, they're active, they're pretty athletic. They could defend you and there's a lot of guys that can like move the ball and create good looks for people. So We'll get to this in a minute. So not to spoil it, but I think this will be a fun team to watch this season.
0: Yeah, and I don't. I think I only have them a like a tier below the Pistons in the sense that I think they're a year behind because the Pistons. Yeah. Cade Cunningham is going into a second season. Their version of that, in my opinion, is Paolo Bancaro, yeah. and with no disrespect to Franz Wagner, who you know is going to end up being an incredible. NBA player. So I think they're just a little bit behind. I don't think I like their guards quite as much. I have some questions there, but I love the combination of Wagner, Banqueiro and Wendell Carter Jr. And I did have Banqueiro number one on my board. Um, So I love that the magic ended up taking
1: him number one overall. Yeah. Same here again. I'm not saying I'm huge on Fultz or Cole Anthony, but I think they're like legitimate, like six seventh man caliber on good team level guards potentially um you know what the ceiling is for them above that I don't know but yeah they're they're, their front office probably won't allow them to win enough games to end up in a in a better tier than where they're at and if you suddenly add Scoot Henderson to this group for next year like that's that's a really intriguing team
0: Scoot would be perfect on that roster. Uh, and I just put in the notes real quick, man. What's mm-hmm. interesting is a lot of the teams that are truly tanking are out west. I mean, the Spurs, I think the Rockets are going to, the Jazz, obviously, and then the Thunder, especially now with Chet going down. So it's kind of interesting that the majority of the teams that I would say like are truly going to be tanking you know, are, are in the Western Conference. Not that some Eastern Conference teams may not end up doing it like the yeah. aforementioned Pacers.
1: Yeah, to me, like the best version of the Pacers is better than all four of those Western Conference teams this year than you mentioned. Now, if the Thunder went all in and they actually played SGA the full 82 games, like, okay, but I don't see a world where they do that. So that'll be interesting. All right. I, I think we'll wrap this up pretty quickly here in a second. But you had a couple other categories here that I think are really fun to go through. So the first one of the superlatives that you came up with for us is the team most likely to take a step back. And we've talked a little bit about this, but why don't you run through your three here real quick?
0: Yeah, so actually to take one out, I still had the Cavs in that because I did that pre-Donovan uh, sure. Mitchell trade, but I have the Celtics. And you mentioned that earlier when we were talking about them. And then the Charlotte Hornets. I just think the Charlotte Hornets are prime candidate to take a step back. So those would be my top two.
1: I would say maybe Bulls and Heat are the only other two I could think of that you can make like a good case for in that group. All right, the next one—the teams that are most likely to overachieve what you got. So I'm I'm
0: saying the Nets just because I do think there's a lot of people who question whether they are real championship contenders, and then I put the Bulls in this one, and I know we lo- outlined all the reasons why they can't be, but I think there's a chance. Yeah, if it does all work, yeah. if it does all work, right? And then again, not to like because I'm but but I put the Washington Wizards. I mean, so it's it's lining up with a lot of the stuff we had talked
1: about earlier yeah i'm I'm of the exact same opinion. again, I, I think like the Pistons could actually they're not going to be a play in team, but sure. if, if they were a fringe play in team or something like that or played well enough to be a play in team, should the front office want them to do that, it it wouldn't really shock me. yep all right. The team that's paying for your league pass. so like yeah. who are the teams that justify the now one hundred dollars as opposed to two hundred and twenty or whatever it was last season?
0: Yeah. So the magic, you know, we just talked about them. I do think they're going to be fun to watch and I just want to watch Paolo Benquero. Yeah. the wizards. Again, I, I like the roster. There's some guys on that team. I enjoy watching play and then the Toronto Raptors because of the things we talked about, like I just, how they've constructed the roster and what they're trying to do. I, I I'm interested to see how all of that plays in the step that Scotty Barnes makes.
1: Yeah, like this one is interesting for me. I think the Raptors could be there for sure. I think the Cavs will be pretty fun to watch and and just see their growth. The magic, I'm with you. I would actually probably pay money not to have to watch the Wizards all season just (laughs) because it it hurts my soul sometimes. But uh, I I do think there's a world where they could be pretty fun. All right. The teams that are least fun to watch.
0: I mean, at the very top is absolute, the Miami Heat. I have no Wholeheartedly interest. Wholeheartedly agreed. <laughs> I have no interest watching a Miami Heat game. I yeah. realized I bought tickets to watch them play the Pistons. That was solely based on schedule of our lives and coaching and kids and school and all that stuff. Um, the 76ers, even though Joel Embiid is a KU guy, I'd have no interest watching him and James Harden parade to the free throw line over and over throughout a game. I understand it's part of the game. I don't critique them for it. I just don't want to watch it. And then the Milwaukee Bucks, just because it's like, it's the same team for like the last five years. And it's just not fun anymore.
1: The only other one I had on here were the Bulls. I just don't Uh, really enjoy that for some of the same reasons you're going to get like Levine is really smooth to watch, but if it's ball and Caruso and those guys out there with DeRozan, it just could be kind of like a weird non-spacing sort of ugly thing. But, all right. Uh, we do a segment every week here, our prospect profile. Bryce, you are super savvy when it comes to draft stuff. And I know you've done some really great breakdowns on a lot of guys already and are way ahead of me uh, in, in terms of draft stuff here. So I asked you to pick one guy you wanted to talk about for this pod that we haven't already done. So who's your guy and, and give uh, our listeners kind of a breakdown on, on this person.
0: Yeah. So I went with Grady Dick, Not maybe not a, a lottery guy, maybe a fringe lottery guy, mid first round. He's actually from Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. So I thought it was kind of cool. I get a chance to to talk about him. Um, I've got to know his dad a little bit through through all of this process. And he's going to Kansas, to KU, University of Kansas. Big time shooter, Matt, big time shooter, shot almost 50% from three. And he played at Sunrise Christian in Wichita. So he's playing Verd and IMG and all of those big time high schools in that league so he's playing against the best of the best you know all the other names that you're hearing at the top of the draft in this class and so can really shoot it high basketball IQ awareness moves the ball well defensively he's got good length and size so defensively that all plays into being a good team defender if there's one thing he's gonna have to get better at it's not necessarily creating for himself, but like when he does get opportunities to finish at the rim, I thought he could get better there, you know, just finishing around the rim, but a guy that can really shoot the ball. That's a huge uh, value, a huge skill that the NBA is always looking for, especially for someone his size.
1: Yeah. Again, six, seven, probably not done growing. Good athlete, really good shooter. Yeah, will be like 19 and a half uh, come draft night. I could see him being like a more athletic, like Kevin Herter type, like Herter probably slightly better vision. But Dick makes like, he makes good reads and like the right yeah. pass. I think this is a guy that could probably like be like a perfect, you know, fourth or fifth starter on an NBA team just with the skill set he brings, like almost I, right away.
0: I think in my notes, I have a Kyle Corver comp because <laughs> like what they did do, and I always look for this with kids. They're running him off floppy action and you know, uh staggered away and just sets you see in an NBA game. They were running for him at Sunrise Christian. So it's not just stand in the corner and catch and shoot off somebody else's drive and kick. He's running off screens, and that's kind of what I remember of Kyle Corver a little mm-hmm. bit. And so again, but but can be a good passer, can put it on the deck for dribble pull ups. And, and I think again, maybe that's not lottery value. De- depending on how good this draft class really ends up being but somebody's going to get a good player and as you said uh you know a 10 year starter who shoots 40% from 3
1: you could lift him directly from his high school team with the way they played him and put him on an nba team and play yes. him the exact same way and i think there's a huge like value to that of like here's your role is so clearly defined and if if he ended up in the lottery from what i've seen Again, haven't gotten really deep into this group yet. And we haven't even seen most of them play in college yet. Yeah. But but just based on the tools that seem to be there, uh, it, it wouldn't shock me a whole lot.
0: Well, because it, it, here's the thing, Matt. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I was doing some research on Brandon Miller today, mm-hmm. going to Alabama. Yeah. And the conversation I had with people was he's not going to be, I shouldn't say that. We didn't think he was going to be good enough to be like an on-ball creator, primary offensive guy. But then does he have the scalable skill set to be a role player in the NBA? And so speaking to your what you're saying of when you know this kid can do these things really, really well and you can just, it's easy to see what his role is going to be and how good he can be in it, that is value in itself. And so theres I'm really interested to see how Coach Self uses him at Kansas and if we see him running off all those screens and doing those same type of things.
1: I'm a big bill, like bill self-believer so I, I think that you know inevitably he's gonna end up looking look really good and, and that'll make a lot of sense for them too so
0: I mean they turned Christian Brown into a first round pick so uh, this guy and, knows
1: what he's doing yeah
0: and and, and great he shoots it better than Christian Brown
1: uh, agreed yeah I, I think the shooting alone plus reasonable athleticism is just that's enough to get you like top 20 in any draft I would think yep uh Bryce I've taken more of your time than I intended to. Uh, For anybody wondering about the ins and outs of podcasting, we're doing this pretty late in the evening here too. So thank you for fitting me into your day. Thank you for literally doing all the homework here for us. I owe you big time. Uh, For anybody that wants to get like more into the Pistons, but also would want to find more of your draft coverage as well. Tell the listeners where they can find your work.
0: Yeah. So if you want the Pistons stuff, the Pistons Pulse podcast, Uh, my co-host is Amari Sanko for the second. He's the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. So we have... Yes. Talking Pistons, all of that. If you want, you know, just more of the draft stuff um, you can follow me on Twitter at motor city hoops. And then my YouTube channel, motor city hoops, you'll get plenty of pistons mixed in with that, but there's also just straight uh, straight draft content as well. And And, uh, uh, this, uh, I don't even like I was going to make this work no matter what I had a blast. We could go for another hour um, if if we wanted to, but um, I I wasn't going to miss it and I enjoyed the heck out of it.
1: Again, folks, if you are not as familiar as you should be, this is a Washington baller right here. So American <laughs> University stud, uh, and and you were on some really fun college teams too. And I've, I've mentioned that to you before, but I've seen some of your former teammates bouncing around the area. And uh, th- those, were, those were great teams to watch. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Uh, all right. With that, everybody, as always, please rate, review, subscribe. Again, thanks to Bryce. And as always, we are presented by betonline.ag. We will catch you next week.